Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I vowed last Sunday, one of my resolutions, that I was not going to, I just want to love the color orange again, because uh, I hate orange right now, but uh, the orange phase happened right after I said that. So God's playing a cool trick on me, or he's trying to teach me something. So uh, thanks for joining us anyway, even though we're in orange phase, and I know it's very frustrating going in and out of all this stuff, but we know that God is good, and we know that God is in control, and that Audrey is behind me making faces. All right, let's pray, and uh, we'll get started here. God, thanks for this morning. God, we thank you that you are in control. We thank you that even in the midst of pandemics and the roller coaster ride that we feel like we're on, God, you're still in control, and you are high above everything. And God, that you are king of everything. God, we think of our brothers and sisters south of us as they're going through some very interesting times politically. God, we pray for unity. We pray for unity for that country and for our country. God, we know even COVID itself has caused lots of disunity, even here in Canada, across North America. So God, we ask that you would do something in us. Help us to do our part in bringing unity to the people around us. And God, we can only do that when we model your son, Jesus Christ. So God, help us to lean in, to learn more about how to be more like Jesus. So God, that we can see unity happen all around us. So God, that we can be peacemakers, ambassadors of peace. God, we are just so grateful for this time that we have together to worship. To be able to be together like this. God, we recognize that we are not the first to have restrictions on our worship. God, it's really been part of the Christian tradition, part of the Christian history, heritage of having restrictions on where we can and can't worship or sing and not sing. God, we think of those around the world right now who are being persecuted for their faith. Because God, in reality, we have it pretty easy compared to some others. So we pray for them now. We pray for courage, for boldness, for strength. God, as much as we love to sing, as much as we love to worship you through song, God, we also know that we recognize that you are God, and that God, our, your love for us does not depend on how much we sing to you. God, our worship is actually our lives how we respond to things and how we sacrifice things in the midst of all, these, all this stuff. So God, may our lives be an act of worship even when our singing cannot be. Again, God, we thank you that you are God and that we are not and we give this time over to you and we love you. Praise in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, hey everybody, and um, 
Welcome back. We're not in red, so that's good. Uh, so we are starting a new series uh, called At the Center, and who's ever seen some of you older folks? Joe, I don't know if you know that. You're young. You're a youngin'. Yeah, you. You're Joe, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, I seen the commercial, uh, the Tootsie Pop commercial with the owl. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Everyone remember that commercial? No? No one? Thank you. Wow, all right. Well, I got to fix my illustrations. I thought I was really connecting with you guys this morning, and uh, I guess I failed on that one. But there's a commercial where there's a cartoon. You know what Tootsie Pops are, right? Like the lollipops? Yeah. Um, and the commercial is a, is a boy, and the question is, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? And he hands it to this owl, and this owl goes, one, a two, a three, and he bites the whole Tootsie Pop, and the boy's just kind of standing there. It takes three licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. Uh, and at the center of a Tootsie Pop, we all know is what? What? A Tootsie Roll. Yeah, chocolate, right? And uh, there's other things that have gum in the middle. And the center is always very exciting, right? We like the center of things. And uh, just a fun little fact. The Purdue University actually did a test. How many licks does it actually take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? And they had a, a robot that did, like, simulated a, a human tongue. And it took 364 licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. So that's one lick almost a day. You could do it. Um, the centers are very important. And a lot of times, the center is what things revolve around. So you think of the sun, right? You think of the universe. We, our galaxy, not the galaxy, but our universe, it, it revolves around the sun, right? The planets. If we didn't have the sun, we wouldn't have gravity and all that fun sciencey things, and the planets would just be scattered. The core of our Earth is very important. It's, it's, it's lava, it's heated, and it gives us what we need for the earth to sustain itself, right? It doesn't just freeze up. When you do archery, who's ever done archery before? A couple of you? You usually want to hit the center, don't you? Center is pretty important, Joe. Cent yeah, you usually want to hit the center, yeah. Uh, when you play basketball, I, used to, I, I actually used to play basketball. It's hard to believe, but I did. And some of you who don't know this, the, the, the basketball lingo, there's a thing called a layup. You know what a layup is? You grip the ball and you have to put the ball up on the side of the, of the backboard. And you always were taught to make sure you put the ball in the center of that square. If you could do that, the ball then goes into the hoop. The center is very important. Building houses, knowing what center pieces are running down the middle of your house to keep your roof up. I decided to knock mine down this week in my center wall. We'll see what happens, but uh, it'll be fun. Or it, a lot of times, if you look at other um, religions, other um, you know, uh, forms of spirituality, the, the idea of finding your center. You guys ever heard that before, right? You, you find your center. If I can find my center, I'll be in the right, I'll be in the sweet spot. We want to be in the center. One of the values that we have uh, as a vineyard church is we follow something called the center set model. Have, you, have anyone, has anyone heard this before? Some of you have been around the vineyard for a little while. 
Um, see if I can do this. I'm, I, again, I'm only three years, two and a half years into the vineyard, but uh, of course that's not going to work. There's two different sets. There's a bounded set and a center set. And of course that's not going to work. Come on, baby. We got this. One more. Guarantee. Hey, there we go. All right. So the bounded set is this idea that um, we are on the outside of this certain this boundary. So this is us, and we'll call this this for pretend SJV. This is the center. We're pretending. Hopefully, we're not like this, but we're still learning and growing. But the idea is that you have to do certain things and abide by certain things and look a certain way. Uh, and all that kind of stuff, in order for you to be a part of this. In order for you to cross this threshold, you have to be, do certain things to be part of this community. So there's a bounded set. We're not going to get to this into super detail this morning, but that's the idea there. In order to be part of this organization, part of this family, you have to do certain things. Does that make sense, Katie? Yeah, it's Yes. Yes. Yeah, so having bounded things isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just, it's different, though, um, than what we are trying to do. So the idea is that we want you to think of this. We want you to behave a certain way first, and then you believe in Jesus, and then you can, be, then you can belong to us. Does that make sense? So it's behave, believe, belong. Now, we believe or try to act out a thing called a centered set model. Actually, we're not going to do that. There's no thing there. And the, the idea is that at the center is Jesus. And we're out here, scattered about, doing our thing, living our lives, putting masks on, not singing, all that kind of stuff. And the idea is that there's no bounded, there's no necessarily, there's no boundary here. But the idea is that everyone is working Either you're drawing close to Jesus, you're working your way towards the center, towards Jesus, or you're going away. Or maybe you could be even facing Jesus, you'd be facing the right direction, but maybe not necessarily moving towards Jesus. You could be next to Jesus, but maybe you're not even looking at Jesus, right? There's some ways you can think about this, but there's no, the, the idea, the central part of this is that Jesus is at the middle, and the idea is that we're all growing to be more and more like Jesus, to move towards Jesus. That's the, that's the forward momentum we hope for each and every one of us, is that we would be moving closer and closer to knowing Jesus. Not just knowing Jesus, but becoming more and more like Jesus, which is why we say we want to live and love like Jesus together. Can you put in the spot here, but anything else you'd add to that idea? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So if you're, even if you're way out here, I'm like standing in the way of everybody here. If you're way out there, the, the, what's important is that you're moving still towards the center. That's what's important. Whether you're here or here, as long as you're moving towards the center, that's the focus. Make sense? Ish? Okay, great. 
we'll uh, dive a little bit more into that as we go. So the idea is that we are moving towards the center, which is Jesus. No matter where you are on the spectrum, we all have had different journeys. We all have had different life experiences. We've all actually experienced Jesus in different ways. And so where we are on this spectrum, oh, is it, you want to angle it? Thank you. Miriam's now a camera, thank you. A uh, professional camera person, yes. Um, the idea is that we're, again, moving towards Jesus. So what's important, though, is when we talk about this, if we actually believe Jesus is the center, we have to define what the center looks like. We have to actually know what the center looks like. We, don't, we will never, ever fully understand the ins and outs of Jesus. He, he is God, right? We're always learning. But the things that we do know about Jesus, and we have to be able to define them and know what they are if we're actually going to move towards them, move towards him. Because if Jesus is the center of St. John Vineyard, then we should probably know what Jesus is like and what he has done and, and, and what he's still doing, his characteristics. It's difficult for me to move towards Jesus if I'm not learning more about who Jesus is and if I don't have a proper understanding of who Jesus is. But again, we're learning this together. So in this, in this model, think of it as like St. John Vineyard, we try to strive to build people to first belong, and hopefully they will say the word believe, but they, they come to know Jesus once they've belonged here. And then after they know Jesus, then we start to, we hope that Jesus begins to work in their lives, and they begin to We'll say the word behave, behave more like Jesus. So in this set, exactly, Bronwyn, uh, again, it's we want them to behave, believe, and then they can belong to us. In this one, what we're saying is we want them to belong first, to come as you are. And if it's one thing you've, I've, I've heard over and over again from people here at St. John Vineyard, our number one strength is people are always welcomed just as they are. But eventually, we want them to know Jesus, Right? to put the trust in Jesus. And then thirdly, we want them to eventually begin, begin to behave like Jesus, become more like him. If we're helping people move towards the center, towards Jesus, we need to know what the center looks like. How do we define the center? How do we define Jesus is crucial if we're actually going to abide by this idea? So for the next little while, Starting today and the weeks to come, we're going we're to look at different characteristics of who Jesus is. Uh, but for this morning, there are two things I want us to remember about this center. So we're not necessarily, this will be kind of a characteristic of Jesus, but I want us to think of these two things uh, as we dive into the series, as we look at the characteristics of Jesus, let's keep these two things in mind. Let's look at John 14. Jesus is with his disciples and Jesus is saying, don't let, sorry, 14.1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not, not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Good old Thomas. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? 
Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. He's still, they're still not getting it. <laughs> Classic disciples. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. He, Jesus wanted his disciples in the scripture not just to believe that he was a good teacher or that he was a, a, a moral person or even that he was the Messiah. Jesus very clearly wanted them to understand that him and the Father were one, that he was God incarnate. That, that's huge. Him and the Father were one. They had not just seen the Father, but they had been with the Father. So the first one, us, the first truth or thing I want us to keep in mind as we look at the center moving forward is this. Two things. The first one is this. Never assume you're at the center. And this might be like, well, yeah. But never assume you're here. And that may be kind of a harsh way to say that, but the disciples probably felt they were pretty close. They assumed they probably had a lot, they had a lot nailed down. But yet they really didn't get quite, they didn't quite get it. They'd been with Jesus this whole time and they still didn't quite get it. They assumed they, had, they knew much about Jesus, but really in the end they, they didn't. And like disciples, we can assume we know enough about Jesus. I'm going to say that word, enough. We assume that we know enough about him. But enough isn't, doesn't really cut it. Lots of us have seen the work of Jesus. We have seen Jesus in others. We have read the right books about Jesus and have said the right things about Jesus. And for those of us who grew up in the church, it's very easy for us to kind of dance around this center. Like, we, we know where Jesus is. We know that's Jesus. But I like to picture it, and maybe this isn't helpful, but I like to picture it as if we're just, maybe you've done this for a long time, or you're doing it now, or I don't know. But it's just, it feels like, for me, I've gone through seasons where I'm just dancing around the center. I never commit to go all the way to the center, or want to move towards the center. So I'm doing a lot of racing here.
I, have, I know who Jesus is. I know enough about Jesus. And instead of moving in, though, what I do is I kind of just kind of skirt around them. I feel like I'm moving towards him, but really I'm just moving around him a lot. I read all the right books, I say all the right things, I do all the right moral choices, but do I actually know Jesus? Do you see the difference? Maybe it's kind of confusing, but there's a difference between just knowing all the right things and knowing enough about Jesus, but actually knowing Jesus. Think of it in this way, too. Uh, For those of you who've done any dancing before, Imagine yourself at a, at, doing your, um, at a dance rehearsal. I don't know what it is, but you have a dance party. You're at the club <laughs> dancing. Uh, and you, your dance partner is in the middle of the dance floor. And picture yourself the whole night just dancing around them the whole time on the outskirts, but never actually moving towards them and dancing with them. You know who they are. You know why they're there. But you never actually are intimate with them. You never get close enough to them to actually do the dance. That's me. During a lot of seasons I I don't care to admit, but and maybe some of you can recognize, feel this way too, but it feels like I, I can dance around the circle. I feel like I know enough about Jesus, but I don't really spend time and actually be with Jesus. So never assume you're at the center. But here's the, here's the, here's the great news. Second thing is this. Always assume though, so never assume you're at the center, but always assume Jesus wants to bring the center to you. Never assume that you're at the center, but always assume Jesus wants to bring the center to you. Thomas and Philip question Jesus. I don't really think Jesus is disappointed when he, re- re- when he responds to them, but kindly and directly tells Philip and the rest of the disciples who he is. And clarify, whoa, like, I think you've kind of missed a point here. He doesn't belittle them. He doesn't make it cryptic. But Jesus readily reveals himself to those who desire to know him. I want us to, if you get anything out of this today, get this. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. With this center set idea, again, sometimes we think that Jesus is standing in the middle, at the center, and he's just standing there kind of like static. And we have to work really, really hard to work our way towards the middle. And Jesus is saying, come and get me. If you get here, great, but whatever. I don't, I don't, I mean, this, I know this, illustrations can only go so far. So I'm not saying this, there's a flaw in the illustration here, but I don't picture Jesus just standing there, just kind of waiting, hoping that we figure it out. You think of the parable of the lost son and the father running to the, the son. There's this idea of waiting for him to come back is also this idea of proactively going and running to his son. Drawing close to his son. Yes. 
Like that? Yeah. Always assume Jesus wants to bring the center to you. James 4.8 says this. Some of you know this verse. I pray this for my kids quite often. Come close to God. Anyone know the second part of that? And God will come close to you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. So the second part of that verse that I want us to hear, that's always not, that's not the funnest part of the verse. Because <laughs> we can end it right there at James 4.8 and that verse half of that and just say, yeah, that sounds really good. God wants to come to us. Second part says this, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. <laughs> that part sounds a little harsh. But that second part of that verse is very important. And I think it goes along with what's happening here. God wants to reveal himself to us. There's also a part that we play. When we come to him in humility and recognizing that we need him and we want to know him, when we do that, when we make our first steps towards him, he then also draws close to us. He meets us. Does that make sense? There's, there's, a, there's a partnership there. Again, going back to the, the, the dance analogy, there's a dance happening there. Jesus wants to reveal more of himself to us. There's also a recognition that we too have to humble ourselves to, to say, oh, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want, I want more of you. I want to know who you are. It's not, again, Jesus is not standing in the middle and he's just waiting for us to figure out and crack the Da Vinci Code for us to know him. But the reality is he wants to reveal himself to us as long as we're willing to do our part as well. He delights in it. He wants to reveal himself to us. So, as we close, here's your homework for today. As if you need that right now in the middle of a global pandemic. But at the center of our faith, there is Jesus. At the center of this church, there is Jesus. And our hope and desire that for each of you personally, Jesus would be at the center of your life. Some of, you, some of you this morning, though, feel like you're way, way, way out here. And Jesus feels so far away right now. I know I feel that when I, I feel that. And I'm not saying that. It's just to connect with you as a pastoral figure up front. I really do feel I'm way out here right now. Not because my relationship with Jesus is poor. Just all these things like COVID and then my... My country back home, which I grew up in, is just in total chaos right now. And I just asked, like, Jesus, where are you in this? Some of us feel this far away, have felt this far away for a long time. Or is it, maybe you're in a season right now where you feel this far away. Here's, here's what I want you to do this, this week. I don't, I don't have any, like, there's no magic formula to, to get closer to here. But I just challenge you to do this. Today as you walk home, as you drive home, just say this prayer. Just, just ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. How often do you actually do that? How often do you say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me today? I know you want to. 
I know you want to show yourself to me. So I'm asking you to do that today. And he, and he, he might do something. He might show you something, but he might not. And so I encourage you, your next homework is to wake up and say the same exact thing. Jesus, reveal yourself to me today. I want to know who you are today. And I promise you, I promise you, as you do that, he will begin to reveal himself to you. But you also have to take some steps forward. You have to be part of the dance. You have to come in humility and say, Jesus, I want to know who you are. Reveal yourself to me. Some of you this morning are looking at the center, and you know all the right things. You've read all the books. You've been to all the conferences. Remember conferences, guys? Oh, man. You've attended enough church services, but you feel like you're just going in circles. You feel like you're just doing that thing, like I said before. You, just, you, you feel like you're you know the right things, but you're not quite moving in. One of the scariest verses um, for me, which I don't really need more fear in my life, uh, but one of the scary, scariest verses in the Bible for me is when it says, even the demons know who Jesus is. Because that means I can know who Jesus is, but not really know Jesus. Even the demons know who Jesus is. You have the same homework. As you walk home today, as you drive home today, as you wake up tomorrow morning, just simply ask Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Write it down on your mirror, write it on your fridge, write it on your phone, write it in a calendar reminder. I don't care what it is. That's all it takes. There's nothing crazy magical about this or supernatural about this other than humbly asking Jesus to reveal himself to you. It's that simple. And having the eyes and ears to wait and listen for him to do that. Now, some of you, as you do that, you might realize, oh man, I might need to repent of some things <laughs> before he begins to show even more of himself to us, to me. Or I need to remove this barrier in my life. I need to go talk to this person, make this reconciliation thing happen. Or I need to do, it may cost you something for Jesus to reveal something to you him to reveal more of himself to you. But I can tell you on the other end, it's worth it. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are in control again. And as I think about this circle idea and that you're in the center, Jesus, that is true. But Jesus, we also know that you are above all else. You're not just in the center, but you're above everything. That you're the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords. You're above COVID, you're above all the politics. You're above the things that we're dealing with in our own personal lives. But yet, as we celebrate in Christmas, you came to earth as a baby to be with us, to be one of us, fully God, fully human. So God, that we would know what it means to be a human and for us to know what it means to follow you, to know God. Not just in an academic type of way, 
or even a moral kind of way, but God, we would know you intimately. God, help us, those of us who feel like we're dancing around the circle, around the center, help us to take what steps are necessary for us to move, begin to move towards the center. Again, maybe, God, that's repentance of something that's changing something in our lives. I don't know what it is, but God, reveal that to us. And God, for those of us who are feeling so far away, help us just to simply humble ourselves and come to you every single day asking you to reveal yourself to us. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you so much for St. John Vineyard. We thank you for the people that make up St. John Vineyard. God, I just want to pray that you would protect them and be with them this week, whether they're watching online, here in person. God, I ask that you just give them supernatural power that comes from the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that now lives in them. God, they would tap into that. God, they would use it to know you better, to glorify you, and to be ambassadors of Christ wherever they go this week, even in the midst of the orange phase, even in the middle of it. God, we need you now more than ever. We thank you again that you are God and that we are not. Praise in your name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.